you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Oh, hi. If you like this show, will you leave a review for it wherever you listen to podcasts? You don't even have to write anything. Just some stars will do. It's one of the most effective ways to spread the word about us and one of the most meaningful ways to show your support for what we do. We are so grateful. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Srulo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833 632 5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Hi. Um, hi. We have two PSAs at the top of this episode. Two really, one's like pressing. Oh, well, okay. So Vanderpump. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's too bad for you that I don't watch Vanderpump. Because it is, we could have done we like a late breaking so episode. We could I just actually be, did. This could just become a VPR podcast. I thought about that last night. And I thought <laughs> that at this point, your resistance to what, or just your lack of having consumed Vanderpump is almost like an act of aggression. Because Vanderpump is one of the longest lasting relationships I have. Like, honestly, aside yeah, no, from my it, husband. It's, it's one of the it's longest true. running relationships in my life. Yeah, it's, um, it's your parents, your brother, me, Chris. Yeah. Vanderpump. All yeah. your high school friends. All my high school yeah. friends. But Vanderpump's in the mix. It's invited it's to the wedding. Yeah. Coming to the retirement party. <laughs> I, you know, all credit to Chris. He identified it early on. And and also because it's a shared commitment and the only shared entertainment commitment. Yes, 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 I have been very committed. So Scandival has been deeply satisfying and rewarding for me in that way. Maybe I'm trying to give, let the, you and Chris have that separate. Oh, thank you. You know you. what I mean? Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. You did give us a gift certificate to Sir one year. Yes. As a, so that was really nice. No, you're supportive of, of the hobby. Um, <laughs> Also, late breaking news, one of the characters followed me on Twitter yesterday. I saw. I don't yeah. know who that is, but um, I saw. Who is it? Peter Madrigal is honestly one of the saddest characters on that kind of show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he just followed you on the internet. Say something nice. He's not problematic, and nearly every single woman on that show has hooked up with him. And I say he's not problematic, but then I remember that he was the boss of everyone who he's hooked up with on that show. So hard to if say. If you became a waitress at Sir, he would sleep with you. Is what oh, you absolutely. Think. He'd at least make out with me. Yeah. I actually don't. He's not one of the saddest. He's neutral territory. He's good. good. So one I wanted to share because I didn't think it got and it didn't get spread around enough. A really useful metaphor for yeah. people who do not watch Vanderpump Rules. It's been a long way for me. It's so good. So somebody 
it was a TikTok comment that got tweeted out that summarized <laughs> for people who do not watch Vanderpump the significance of the scandal that is currently taking place. It is as if Chandler were cheating on Monica with Rachel for seven months and Joey knew the whole time. It was, it feels huge. It's huge. It was so important to me because- and Chandler would never have done that. Chandler, Chandler would never have done that. And honestly, neither would Rachel. No, yeah. absolutely not. But which is also good because Raquel's real name is Rachel. It goes a long way. My point is, the thing is that this thing's been going on for 10 seasons. And I knew the minute it broke that it would be so hard to explain it to, in, in a meaningful way to anybody course, outside course, the Vanderpump universe. And I've heard other people try to explain it and do just as bad a job as I have. So it was so satisfying to have this really bite-sized, universally yeah. relatable explanation. The other thing I want to say about this is that if you are new to the Vanderpump universe and trying to find a Vanderpump sort of access point. Yeah, access point or like adjacent brand recap podcast because there's so the most because now that industry's booming. It's huge. It is crazy to me how many people have revenue streams based off of Bravo who are not at all yeah, affiliated yeah, 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 with Bravo yeah, yeah, in an official yeah, yeah. way. Sexy Unique Podcast is the one to listen to. That's how I feel because it is the only one <laughs> So many of these people, because they are so deeply invested, felt truly personally offended by, you know, the transgressions that were part of the scandal. Felt this is how we live on the internet. I understand. And I'm just I'm just like, all of these people are kind of terrible. How are this is entertaining. This is not an emotionally draining moment for me. The hosts of Sex Unique Podcast, who are also just really funny, entertaining comedians, Laura Marie Shanehalls and Carrie O'Donnell have the right perspective on this. They're smart, they're funny, they're a delightful listen. If anybody wants to talk with me about Vanderpump Rules, I never feel like I have enough people in my life to discuss it with, so I'm here for it. And then I don't have to do it. You know? Yeah, it's, exactly. It, it's, yeah, I'm off the hook. That's right. Um, I'm off the hook. Wait, I do wanna say you reminded me recently that I had gotten not just one, but two really thoughtful Vanderpump-related gifts in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, you got a cameo. I got a cameo when I was pregnant at Christmas time. I and Cam was born December twenty third. I received a video cameo of James Kent standing in front of a Christmas tree wearing a Santa hat, congratulating me on uh, the birth of my child. It was truly delightful. It was a really thoughtful gift. My two spouses, you and Chris, have both given me Vanderpump gifts that I've thoroughly enjoyed. Listen, you love the pump universe. Yeah, and I just want to thank you for giving me that time to talk about Vanderpump. Absolutely. Well, the thing that I find it very important to talk about mm -hmm. is way dorkier, mm -hmm. um, which but is- But useful. But useful. Seam rippers. Mm -hmm. I thought this was smart. Okay. So we've been having conversations recently with friends about how there's just so much fucking aggressive branding on everything lately. Like that's the style, that's the vibe. And talking about how good the Prada Fall 2024 collection mm -hmm. is, but how that- dumb triangle is on everything. everything but in like a and in like a designed way like in a like it's on the front of a shirt like blah, blah, blah. it really made me feel old and curmudgeonly how much I hated it because I remember being young and being desperate to wear stuff with logos like a on guest it shirt, yeah like exactly desperate for a guest shirt and my mom being like it's tacky my mom's whole thing was I'm not gonna pay other people to advertise for them yeah that was what she always yeah, said yeah, to me and yeah, I was yeah, like you're yeah. no fun at all and now I'm like yep get rid of it all Get rid of it all. This like somehow emboldened me, I think, to just be like a little bit more aggressive in my thinking about this branding. And mm -hmm. so these jeans that I'm wearing right yeah. now are Ghani. And I love Ghani. I think Ghani like makes wonderful things. I think their branding is also too aggressive and yeah. there's too much like statement mm -hmm. whatever, like mm -hmm. accents. And so I bought a seam ripper yeah. and took, there was a patch on the back, like yeah. a baby blue patch. It said Ghani. And I was like, I'm done with you. I like took it off. 
And just owning a seam ripper, like I already own nail scissors. They can do some of the same things. <laughs> I was like, what do nail scissors have to do with this? They're tiny scissors. No, I get it now. I just thought. They had been serving that yeah, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They just, first of all, I was asking too much of them. Yeah. Because again, they're mm-hmm. nail scissors. Mm-hmm. And two, there's something about the like, Oh, you're wielding, yes. yeah, you're yeah, yeah. wielding uh-huh. a seam ripper yeah. in a different way. It feels like empowering. Yeah. It's a small sword mm-hmm. in its way. Mm-hmm. And it made me just be like, I am in charge of these pants. If I don't want this thing <laughs> on them, like I don't have to have it. Consumers take action. Consumers take action. <laughs> like what? Like whatever. It's been great. It's I'm like, so happy And to take you. the tags off of it, it's just so that, much That was very better. smart. I should buy a seam ripper. I think you feel the way about a seam ripper the way I feel about a box, box cutter. Box yeah. couple cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, totally. No, it's smart. And I agree with you. There's just too many, too much. And a seam ripper is the answer. Yeah. And a useful tool. To own. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's good. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. We're um, recording in the wake of the Vanderpump scandal and all of the apologies that have been issued have mentioned their therapist specifically. (laughs) You know, it's like you can't even issue a public apology without shouting out your therapist now. Like that is where we are. And that is a beautiful thing. And I have to say, I am so grateful to companies like BetterHelp, genuinely, who are making it more accessible, making it part of a bigger part of the conversation and just making it something that we all just sort of acknowledge is a necessary part of health and maintenance and wellness and all of that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Okay, we were talking about presents a minute mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. So we have a little bit of gift-related content today. This one's a bit of a build-up, a bit of a story, <laughs> but it's cozy up. So my dad told Thomas mm-hmm. that he wanted to, they were like texting about what to give me for my birthday. And he wanted- 40th birthday, big birthday. 40th birthday. Okay. Yeah. And he wanted to get me tennis gear for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And while that was nice, I have tennis gear yeah. and, and it, it has historically made a good gift for me, which means mm-hmm. I've accumulated a good amount of tennis gear and do not need more. And you're like, I don't play, I play every single day. I wish I played enough yeah. tennis to like need more tennis gear yeah. than I already have. But Thomas instead was like, she don't need that and suggested a gift in a very thoughtful one, which was that my dad buy me books that were important to him or that have been important to him in his life. So nice and so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I was like, what did you tell him to get me? And Thomas was like, I'm not telling you because I don't know if it's going to happen yet. So right. we have to like let it play out. This basically stemmed from a conversation that I was having at some point about just like how there were certain things that I discovered, like Kurt Vonnegut books or whatever, mm-hmm. where I would read them and then my dad would be like, or another adult would be like, I, oh, I loved that. I'm like, mm-hmm. why didn't you tell me? Right. Like, why, like, why aren't you recommending these things to me? Which is, you know, all just to say like, if you're an adult who likes a thing and a child might like the thing, tell them about the thing. Yeah. But I just felt like growing up, I didn't have that influence of like, oh, maybe you would like this yeah. also. Yeah. Which I don't know, as a parent, isn't that the most fun thing? 
Right, of like, here's this music you might like. Here's I've been this, like, desperate to influence Cam's taste and have had z- very little success with it. Right. <laughs> right. Just, right. Yeah. Isn't that the fun of it? Yeah. Trying to like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So my dad did embrace this project mm-hmm. and took it extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. The first book I got in this set of books is a Dick and Shane book. Like a, <laughs> like a, a full-on like, child's book. Like a like phonics beginner reader book because this was like the first. Did you read it? I, I haven't yet. You know what? I Why not? It will take What's me all of seven minutes. Yes. Like That's at, at most. Like yeah. why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he sent me these books by this uh, author, Claire B, mm. which were the first chapter books he liked. Mm. And they're like about sports. And they That's were written cool. by like a basketball coach at Long Island University, which again, I was like, what are we doing at first? What, where are we going here? Yeah. And then he has progressed into like adult books. I've gotten In Cold Blood and I've gotten The Federalist Papers and like things that I didn't know, you know, were important, which is again, yes. the whole plot of this. I mean, I've been desperate to start a book club with my dad and I send him books that I like and he doesn't read them because he only reads really obscure historical sometimes fiction, sometimes nonfiction that I just can't get into. So I, I'm jealous of this. Is your dad going to reread these books with you? Great question. No, we're not like structuring it as assignments really. But I think he has started like repurchasing some of these books for himself. himself. Yeah. And that he didn't have some of them or that he's like remembering things that Mm -hmm. he liked. It's it's been like an exploratory process for him in a way that I think is satisfying. And it's just like, you know, he's retired. This is like an actually interesting way to spend his time and to be like, what was I thinking about? Like what what did matter to me? Yeah, I was just like, right, this could be like a good assignment to give a parent for like all their kids for Christmas or something. Like it feels a little bit like story worth and then I'm like, tell me, but without, but like lighter lift. It's like actually him just buying 20 books. Yeah. Yeah. My niece is reading Babysitter's Club right now. (sighs) I wish that I remembered more of the specific titles. She's early enough on that she just read the one that's the first sort of like Marianne led one which I remember very well it's like takes place around Valentine's Day it's when she and Logan get together it's just so satisfying to re-engage with this stuff and to share that yeah sort of stuff with a person of a different generation yeah 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 I love that you have some you have a gifting thought mm. okay gifts I have also been engaging in some gift discourse lately so Chris and I have this thing Gifting is not his love language. Or it's not even that it's not his love language, but I don't think he thinks he's very good at it. He feels a lot of pressure around it. It stresses him out. He's always been good at spontaneous gifts, but Mm. I think he does not love an assigned gift. And we also, because of the way birthdays and anniversaries fall in our family calendar, have this period from December to roughly May where it's like every fucking thing. Constant. It is every month, sometimes multiple times a month. And it kicks off in this really stressful way because we have Christmas, Hanukkah, and Cam's birthday all happening at the same time. And then you go like straight into Valentine's Day and straight into birthdays and straight into anniversary and Mother's Day. And then it's just, and then it's crickets for the rest of the year. June, July, August, September, October, it's nothing. But at some point, you're just running out of steam. So we finally did this thing that we've been meaning to do for a while, which is we created a gifting agreement, a plan. So I was like, let's just not do gifts for some things and do them for others. And we were out to dinner the other night and I wrote it all down in my phone and I am so thrilled to have this thing. So what's your plan? So here's, Chris was like, let's not do the holidays because there's so much going on already and we're buying so much for Cam. And I was like, I actually feel really strongly that we do need to do the holidays because it is the only time in that madness where you and I sit down, even if it's just for 20 minutes and are just sort of Together. doing something for each other. Yeah. 
And I really like for just 10 minutes sitting down and being like, it's just you and me right now. And so I was like, but here's how we're going to not make it stressful. I will always give you clothes. You will always give me jewelry. You will just text Lizzie and Catherine and say, what does Claire want? I is this to, in the written agreement? The, yeah. The text yeah, Lizzie yeah. Like, Great. Jewelry is what you're getting. That's, That's right. the show. Yeah. And I was just like, I'll tell Lizzie and Catherine what I want. I have finally given up and started just telling him sometimes exactly what to buy me. But I don't love that. It's sort yeah. of nicer telling someone else or just, you know, giving parameters. Like, I like this. You pick out the color. You pick out the shape or whatever, you know? Yeah, because also you know, we're, it's a little bit like we're all adults here. And if we really wanted a thing, we could probably decide to so go buy it. So that's sort of how I feel. Yeah. And I, but I have to say, I resisted it for a long time. A lot of women in my life tell their partners, partners exactly yeah. what to get them or tell me what to tell their partners yeah. to get them. And I just didn't do it for a really long time. And then when I finally did it, I was like, well, that was kind of easy for everybody. <laughs> that was kind of nice. I got what I wanted. He didn't have to stress. I thought Valentine's was a very obvious holiday to say no gifts. To skip. It is a gifting holiday, but I'm like, I don't really think of it that way. I think of it as a date holiday. Yeah. It's like a little something holiday. Yeah. So that's how I felt. But for whatever reason, Chris was like, no, we need to. And so we agreed that it would be sentimental gifts, which is a little- And what counts as sentimental? Well, part of why I said that was because this past Valentine's Day, Chris made a scrapbook for me. At the top of the school year, I started doing little watercolors for- Cam's lunch every day, which is mostly a creative exercise for me, but it's like a fun thing for our family. And so Chris made a scrapbook of all of the ones I've done so far, which was really sweet, something I kind of been meaning to do, hadn't done. And I feel like I, I gave Chris workout gear and I was like, cause he needed it. Yeah. But like felt kind of whatever. And so I, I know, but I went to Chris when we were prepping for this podcast and I was like, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. Can you remind me why Valentine's day felt important to you? Like why you fought for that? And he was like, I honestly don't remember. Just tell them I'm romantic. <laughs> I think maybe he was feeling proud of himself for the scrapbook. I loved it. I was extremely touched by it. He like totally nailed it. And it, it felt right for Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I do think I may come to regret that it's more work sometimes to do a sentimental gift, but it's nice to have the box. It's nice to have the parameters, you know? Totally. Well, now now that you know that you're doing a sentimental gift once a year, you can put That's a pin right. in that and That's be right. like, okay, I'm exactly. going to do that thing. All right, birthdays, our birthdays are four days apart in March. So a month after Valentine's Day, we agreed no gifts. We're going to do something together. Like yeah. we're, this weekend, we're going to a hotel together. It's, yes. you know, we'll do something either for each other or with each one another, yeah, but yeah, we will yeah, not yeah, do yeah. gifts. Anniversary, no gifts. Chris's words were, we should hold space to revere our love. That's what he wants to do on our anniversary. Okay, again, I <laughs> I love this thinking. I also am like, what the fuck does that mean? I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I think one, we're going to go out to dinner probably. Um, yeah. But two, <laughs> I think we're going to hold space to revere our love that way. With, and by holding space, you mean make a dinner reservation. Yeah. That is one way we hold space. I suspect what he meant is that we do have an anniversary tradition that I really cherish and that always ends up being moving is we just read our vows to each other. You. Because we have them in a book that the person who officiated our wedding made for us and so it's a nice thing to just at the end of the night sit down read our vows and remember why we married each other and what we promised for each other so let's see we've got valentine's day in february our birthdays in march and then our anniversary at the beginning of may by then it is super perfunctory i'm just like what can i get and for a while we were doing the you know wood one year silver another whatever yeah then you're just like what random silver thing do you not yeah, yeah, need yeah, that yeah, i can yeah, get yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. totally and i really dislike that kind of gifting no i do too i do too I have two thoughts or things to say about this. One, for anniversaries, I've always had this like 
aspiration mm-hmm. of we should like start a collection of something. Oh, um, I love that. Like that it should be like, it's all, it, like we should buy a little piece of art or we should buy a ceramic yes. or like, is there something? Because I, I feel like that. then there's like each year it feels like nothing. But mm-hmm. then over time you're like, oh. look at all of these, like look at that. all these years. Yes. Look at all this time that has passed. Look at this like thing we've built together. Good one. That's a really good way of doing it. And related to that, recently I was like, do I want a charm bracelet? And do I want to like, you know, assign that mm-hmm. as like the gifting yes. thing yes. of like, a, do I want to charm each year? I do think you want a charm bracelet. I do. You've I been think, wanting one for a while. Yeah, this no, is a true. long running <laughs> desire of like, yours. Since I, I was five, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, no, um, you do want a charm yeah, bracelet for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that's, a charm bracelet is a great one because then yes, it's, we were, t- what were we talking about recently where it's like, Oh, just when somebody's a collector, then it is it is a gift to the gifter to always know that they can just add to your collection of something. Yeah. They can add to the charm. I do love that as an idea for we're going to make anniversaries easy on each other because we are setting these strict parameters around yeah. it. Yeah. What are you are you guys still doing the material driven anniversary gifts? You had been for a kind while. Kind of, but like not particularly yeah. well. And we kind of still celebrate our oh, dating right, anniversary multiple. and our wedding anniversary. Well, you have three because you have your dating, your wedding, and then your wedding party. We ignore our wedding party. Okay. All right. Um, we just, yeah. I like, bear, I'm like, what What month is right, that? Right, like right, that kind right. of okay. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but our dating anniversary is in January and our wedding anniversary is August. And so okay. we like. You do both. Yeah. We do okay. Both. Or which is more uh, formally observed. Good question. I think that Thomas more formally observes our dating anniversary and I more formally observe a mm. wedding anniversary. What marks your dating anniversary? First kiss? Like M- like MLK weekend. Oh, I, I, like just in general, that's okay. like when we started like <laughs> hanging out. Okay. I don't know. We, okay. I, we don't have a date. It's mm-hmm. just a like okay. feeling. Okay. I just also <laughs> want to ask you, because if I'm listening to this, I'm desperate to know. How many years have you been together if you observe your dating anniversary? 18. Yeah, that's so impressive. 18. Uh, Since 2005. So for a long time, Thomas was like, it feels so fucked up to only celebrate our wedding anniversary because we should get credit. We get more credit. We should get credit. And like, why are we celebrating this thing that we've had for one year when we've had this other thing for eight? Mm -hmm. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with him on that. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Then the other to round out our gifting. Oh yeah, season. yeah, yeah. Mother and Father's Day. Mother's and Father's Day. I was like, Day. I don't have any others. <laughs> we got married on Mother's Day, which, like, you know, in retrospect, not the best idea when it comes to the whole like having to observe stuff. I was like, I said for Mother's and Father's Day, let's not do gifts. Let's just let the other person decide how they want to spend the day. Yeah. Which Chris agreed that that could be part of it, but he feels it's very important for Cam to shoulder the responsibility of identifying and a gift and procuring a yes. gift with, you know, at this stage with help. He can't do it on But no, he's like, no, we ha- like he needs to know that this is his responsibility. So we will do let's gifts. Let's burden him. Let's burden him. Let's uh, in- let's bring him into this stressful. Yeah, uh, he's not wearing enough of this anxiety. That's right. Yeah. So I do think that this is going to be good for us. It's written down. We can always reference it. I will say it was, I loved celebrating Chris's birthday without the pressure of a gift. I got to do, you know, we had a party for him. It was fun. I could focus on that. Yeah. And not just be like randomly spend money on something else just to have had the thing. Yeah. It was good. And I am not, I'm perfectly happy not to get a gift for my birthday. The gift is we're going to a hotel. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be very good for us. We can always reference this. We have clear parameters. Parameters. And, you know, if I want to buy him a gift, Randomly. Randomly, I'll do that. Workout clothes any old day of the week. That's right.
Claire, this has been on our back burner for a while. Mm. And it's the thing that we kept like kicking to the curb and being like, we can talk about that some other time. But it's important that we discuss. Yeah, no, it's urgent. I have some postage stamps that I uh-huh. really need everybody to know about. Yeah. So obviously USPS does a great job and in so many ways, yes. including merch, like the dog mm-hmm. costume, the Fred Siegel collab t-shirt. There's like a lot the happening. The dog costume continues the dog to be mailman incredible. Costume, male person costume. Like <laughs> so good. So good. So good. Stamp releases are like such a thing. Mm-hmm. There are so many that are like capital I important, yes. like honoring a historical moment or a person mm-hmm. or, you know, just like art. Yeah. My favorite stamp at this moment in time is none of that. Yeah. It is like deeply unimportant. It is stupid. It is like f- just fun. They are called message monster stamps. And the press release said the most playful, customizable, forever stamp design ever. Since, I mean, I've never heard of another customizable stamp. Me either. Is this the only customizable stamp? Uh, This is a great question. So basically these stamps are little illustrated monsters. It's original artwork by a children's book author named Elise Gravel. And they're like little monsters Mm -hmm. illustrated on a white background. Yeah. They look like stickers. Like it does not look like they could possibly be legal tender Mm because they are just like, what is this? But then on the sheet that they come with, there are little accessories for them. So there are hats. <gasps> There's like a pirate wow. hat. There's a birthday hat. This is great. So useful. There's little speech bubbles. There are hearts. There are stars. So then you get to decorate around them. That's really cool. This is so good. Like, yeah, it, that's it's really just cool. like, so it's so fun. I love it. It's so not serious. Mm-hmm. It's really fun putting it on your like tax, you know, return <laughs> mail. Like, I yeah. just I, you. So you you're willing to waste it on the IRS? Oh, a hundred percent. I think it's. I think it in, is in fact even better used on your like most boring mail. Do you feel like they had our generation of sticker girls in mind when they came when they put these stamps right? out into the world? Yeah. Like a, it, this is for a scrapbooker. This is yeah. for someone who knows what scrapbooking is. Yeah. You can't buy them on the USPS site anymore. They're discontinued, but you okay. can buy them on foreverstamps.net. They're incredibly charming. They I mean, really so do good. look like sticker book stickers. Right? Yeah. And there's like an octopus looking fellow yeah. and yeah. This is very very charming. I do feel like sticker girl as an identity has not been celebrated on the internet the way it should be you know I think that's right like there's horse girls but what about what about sticker girls girls who were living in the suburbs without access to ponies I was a sticker girl you were a sticker girl I told you I found a letter that my mom had it was actually a fax that my mom had sent my dad while he was away for an extended (laughs) period of time (laughs) and she was like saying you know like Peter got a B on his English paper. Claire's going to a sticker book convention at Zany Brainy with Victoria <laughs> next weekend. I could never have told you that there was such a thing as a sticker book convention. I could absolutely tell you that Zany Brainy was the epicenter of my sticker book life, but I did not know that they were hosting conventions or that I was so lucky as to have attended. Oh my God. What do you think the overlap is between Sticker Girl and Sanrio Girl? Oh, huge. Like, I mean, that Zany Brainy had both. Oh my God, Zany I Brainy loved it. Zany had Sanrio? Yes, that is where I got all of my karopi. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. God, Zany Brini was a really happy place for me. I miss it. Okay. Another yeah. truly urgent thing I need a, to share a truly with our audience. Stick, Muse- another sticky thing. Another sticky thing. Museum gel. I wish I could remember where I read about this. I didn't come up with this idea on my own. It was probably strategist because it sounds very strategist 
ish. Someone who lives in California was talking about how they use museum gel to secure breakable objects against like gentle earthquakes, basically tiny earthquakes. So like a vase on a table? Right. Like art pieces are like something on a ledge where you're okay. like, if there's a... If there's a wobble, we're going yeah, to be a problem. Yes. And, and this will sort of protect the thing. And I was like, oh, this is the answer to all of my concerns about Cameron and his friends knocking over all of my fancy stuff. Because... I have so many little ceramic tchotchkes that I have collected and that- Because you're a Sanrio girl. Because, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And because I was unwilling to admit to myself that I was going to have kids one day, they're all <laughs> propped on these tiny little ledges that I installed when we moved into our house and was like, it's fine. I'll never have a toddler in here. And so- That I, is proof that you were undecided. Oh my, everything about the design of my home. I mean, we have a white couch for fuck's sake. Like in our, when you walk in, uh, that is now covered in, you know, protective material. So I just secure all these little tchotchkes with museum gel. And now it doesn't feel nearly as precarious. And I feel so much better about it. So the museum gel is like this- Yeah, what's the texture? I want to say it's sticky, but it's not tacky at yeah. all. It's not messy. It's kind of magical. It doesn't... Like poster putty? No. No. It like doesn't leave any mark. It's clear. Yeah. It, yeah. I, it's hard to describe, but also Cam discovered it and loves playing with it. And that is fine with me because it leaves no mark. It doesn't... It always sort of retakes its form. It's really cool. Stylists use it is what it is for. It, well, and museum displays. Right, right, right. And you know what it is like to me? It is like the seam ripper where I'm like, I had no idea how useful this could be, but yeah. now I feel like everybody should own this. Yeah. It's a great product. It is clear. It comes in a little tub. You can use, it is like poster putty in that you can use as little or as much as you want. As much as you want. And it just, it also, it does this thing where, you know, if you put it on a surface, it sort of pools out and looks like you spilled water and you're like, oh God, it's a mess. It's going to leave a mark. And no, you just roll it right back up. It's fine. It's I a very magical product. You really do. I feel like, Buy it and you will realize that you needed it and you didn't even know. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Okay. Something that I people really do need to know about. Yes. The Everlasting Meal Cookbook, mm -hmm. Leftovers A to Z by Tamar Adler, mm -hmm. who has been a podcast guest. Yes. Um, this cookbook showed up my house a weekend ago and I was like, wait, this is like a goddamn revelation. A absolute revelation. So the premise of this book is that it's, 1,500 recipes. Wow. Around, I know. Around what to do with leftovers, dregs, scraps. Mm, God, she, this is, this was like a full-time hobby for me during the pandemic. It was like my true thrill in life. I feel like this book came out a couple years too late. I mean, you know, I'll still use it. Yeah, but totally, this was totally. like, remember during the pandemic, it truly became a sport of like, what can what, you do with these things? What and can like, I do with the kale stems? With the, yes, of because course. Because you were, you know, for all the, the grocery store. And yes. for, yeah, 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 yeah. All of it, all of it. Mm -hmm. So this is a spinoff of An Everlasting Meal, Cooking with Economy and Grace, which is a book of cooking <laughs> prose. Um, can we take a moment for the Cooking with Economy and Grace? Yeah. I mean, absolute <laughs> perfection. Cooking with Economy and Grace. Absolute I love perfection. it. Okay. It came out in mm -hmm. 2012, and it is like the companion book to that. It's this okay. a prose version of mm -hmm. like being like, how do you think about cooking and like right. whatever. And when I read this book, it was such a revelation. This was the original revelation yeah. for me of just being like, wait, there's an anecdote in this book mm -hmm. that like changed my way of thinking about yeah. cooking. It is so dumb that this is what it took for me. Mm -hmm. But she at some point was like, when you're reading a recipe and it calls for a shallot and you don't have a shallot, but you have scallions, mm -hmm. use the scallion. Yeah. In fact, like maybe the person who developed the recipe didn't try it with a scallion. Yeah. And maybe it's even better with a scallion than it is a shallot. And I was like, oh, yeah. what? I do feel like one, 
Sofia Coppola's daughter needs to read that because well I think she I, she embraced it in her heart because she had that shallot and she was gonna go with it she was going with it but then she sent Ari out to get the right ingredients but That's also true. why is there an onion and vodka sauce I don't know well we're, we're still waiting for part two of that TikTok however I do think that the impact of that book has been that so many recipes are now written in a way that is much more flexible yes where yes. you will read you know like use ground turkey or ground chicken if you want whatever it's citrus oh, yes. or red wine vinegar exactly. like yeah totally yeah. totally mm -hmm. like you need an acid part of what works about this new book is that she is just so confident mm -hmm. and enthusiastic and a little bit weird mm -hmm. and not afraid to turn people off in a way that is just like it makes it feel fun and yeah. it makes it feel like just try it like yeah. a real just try it mm -hmm. attitude yeah no i love that so a couple of quotes i need to read to you to just like give you like the vibe of this mm -hmm. So the framing of it, it, she was like, a friend suggested I call it how to cook everything, dot, 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 again. <laughs> okay, this is, this is good. We would have more delicious things to eat if we saw in every overripe or bruised fruit the latent potential of a brown banana, which we trust to be baked into bread or muffins mm. or a cake. Smart. 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 Mm -hmm. And then this bit about dairy. Eggs and milk and yogurt and cheese should only be thrown away when their lives as usable ingredients have ended. You will know this because when you encounter any, your body will revolt at the brush with decay. Until then, they are changing as we all are all the time and it shouldn't be held against them. I do feel like this is like, so vindicating for baby boomer parents. Like I used to think that this was specific to my mother because she always tries to justify it with a science angle of like, yeah. it's live cultures. Turns out everybody's parents did that of like, oh, oh it's fine. It The yogurt expired two months ago, it's fine. And I really thought that this was like just my my life with, it's not. with parents as scientists. No, it's all parents. But apparently they were right. Apparently they were right. Apparently they were right. And there are just like these bits in here of her being like, oh, right. Like she has a, a galette recipe that she's like, no one's the wiser fruit galette. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, yeah, right. Throw your bruised yes. fruit in that. You're cooking it. It's totally. like fine, like yep. whatever. She's like recommending using the feta mozzarella like liquid to brine mm -hmm. the fish or chicken. Ooh. Um, I know. And I was like, I've never, I've never saved mozzarella brine before, but now don't you want to? I mean, listen, as a recent regular composter, this type of behavior it turns out to really give me a thrill. Yeah. So I am totally game to get in on this. I, I love it. Yes. Um, there are a lot of things you'll be pleased to know mm -hmm. that are turned into fried rice and frittatas, oh, which you which and is, I are yes, very, big for me. yeah, big. Mm -hmm. There's even a leftover French fry frittata. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. The other, oh, the other thing with French fries that I've seen, Helen Rosner puts French fries into soup and like purees. Oh, that's it's smart. like starchy, yeah. like whatever. I don't know. They're just like a lot of thoughts. It's very interesting. There was one that felt like a really particular shout out to you, mm. which was using leftover coconut milk into in rice Ugh, to yeah. cook rice. Uh -huh. um, the thing that like- The idea that you would ever have leftover coconut milk. You use it all. I, that's the thing. I always use all <laughs> I'm like, the It's milk. so good. You just put, put it all in. But I do feel like now I'm like, oh, I'm not as scared to have leftover mm, coconut yes. milk. Because she was like, any volume you have, mm -hmm. you just add it to rice. Right. Like, yep. you don't that have to like, worry about it. The one that feels like it's going to change my life the most is what to do with anchovy oil. Because mm. I always feel like it's like, you know, it's got the anchovy goodness yes. at the bottom of the, yes. the like jar. Her recipe is for a tonado, basically, with oh. anchovies instead, or with the anchovy Smart. oil instead of tuna. And then she also recommended with caper brine to add it to a martini, which I immediately did and was delicious. Can't decide if I want that. It's not olive juice. It's not olive juice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Did you see that tweet that was going around last week? No, tell me. Assistant to the inventor of the caper jar. Should we make it wider so people can stick a fork or spoon in to get the capers out? (laughs) Inventor of the caper jar. You're fired. (laughs) Here's what I will say. Being on Team Tiny Spoon. Yes. You you have to be if you're going to enjoy capers. I mean, you know what I really love is that brand of the anchovy jar that comes with the tiny little fork attached to it. That thing is, I love those people. Those people know what they're doing. When you don't use all the anchovies from the anchovy jar, and I I kind of look at anchovies like coconut milk where I'm like, just use the whole thing. It's fine. Wait, you use all of them in the jar every time? No, I put them in the fridge afterwards. Yeah, me too. You too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my question. Yeah, but then and, you have to like leave them out on yes, the counter so exactly. that they come to that temp- room temperature okay. so you can get them out of the jar. I just wanted to make sure everybody was doing it that way. <laughs> and then when you open a new jar, it's always a bit like stressful yes. because getting an anchovy out of a crammed new yes. jar is awful and they're all going to be shredded. Correct. And, yeah. and how long do you, well, I guess now I'm asking this, you as a disciple of Tamar Adler, but how long do you think the anchovies in an open jar last in the fridge? Forever. Right, like yeah. forever. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah, I, t- okay. tomorrow Adler would say like forever <laughs> times times or plus t- a century. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Okay, exactly, exactly. Okay. I think that the best chapter in this book is the last chapter, which mm-hmm. is on empty containers mm. or like containers that mm-hmm. appear to be empty but clearly are not because they yes. still have mayonnaise a little on bit inside mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So there are recipes like empty jar nut butter noodles. Mm. Um, something she recommends that we do in my house that I do really like pat myself mm-hmm. on the back for every fucking time. Every time is saving butter wrappers mm. to use mm-hmm. to grease pans. Um, Just don't do that much pan greasing. I don't really either, but, <laughs> but I still when you save. do, you have you're ready. And, and like now, I just have a hundred yes. butter wrappers. This is like me and the Parmesan rinds that are sitting in my freezer right. in case I ever make stock with them. Right, I will never, but I have so, so many. many Parmesan. But yeah. you're ready. I am ready. Yeah. Say I want to get into cookie baking. All of a sudden, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. And then her like last tip was the only thing better than fish sauce in fried rice is fish sauce that has been poured into an empty ketchup bottle, shaken, and then added Mm. to fried rice. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ, and if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.